Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. I'm Emma Thomas, your host, and I'm delighted to welcome along today Thalia Pellegrini, who's a registered nutritional therapist. After a decade as a broadcast journalist for the BBC, presenting programmes including Newsround and The Travel Show and reporting for Holiday, she followed her passion for nutritional science and retrained. She qualified in 2009 following a three-year course at the Institute of Optimum Nutrition in London, and her specialist interest is women's health with a focus on perimenopause. Known as the Knackered Mums Nutritionist, she runs her online signature group programme, The Energised Mum Method, and works one-to-one with women in the UK, Europe and North America, addressing health issues from PCOS, endometriosis, PMS, perimenopause and menopause, fatigue, chronic fatigue and low energy. Welcome to the podcast, Thalia. Thank you so much. Yeah, so tell us a bit more about about sort of um, you know retraining later in life. I mean, it, that's quite a, a departure, isn't it, from from the world of of broadcast journalism? Well, I love my job when I you know when I worked in TV. It was a huge amount of fun. I was very lucky, and I got to travel the world and work with lots of wonderful people. But I. If I'm being honest, I got a little, I, I wasn't as fulfilled as I thought I could be. Mm. And I knew I wanted to be a mum. So this was before I had children. And I thought, you know what, there's something else I'm meant to be doing. And I'd never forgotten the lady that helped me in my 20s, a nutritionist. I had ME for seven years. I, I got ill at 17 and I uh, was ill for about six, six and a half, seven years. And she changed my life. And I never forgot her. And I never forgot the fact that without her, I wouldn't have done all of those wonderful things for the BBC. And I thought, you know what, that's what I want to do. I want to do for other people what she did for me. And it was quite a quick decision. I literally came home one day and said to my husband, you know what, I think this is what I want to do. We were living in West London at the time. I found Ion. It was down the work, uh, road in Richmond. I literally, which is very me, applied the next day, they happened to have an intake for three months later. I went for an interview. I got in and that was it. I, n- I never looked back. So I kept, um, I stayed at the BBC for the three years while I was studying. And then I graduated when I was pregnant with my first son. So can you talk a little bit about ME then? Because obviously some people do suffer with it even longer term yeah. than that. So you're saying that you you kind of credit your, that kind of going into remission or however you would yeah. describe it as uh, down to the the nutritional side of things. Yeah, so I got glandular fever at seventeen, like a million teenagers, and I just didn't get better. Um, and I went to the GP. I kept going to the GP, and they said, "Well, it's post viral fatigue. There's nothing we can do. It's you, you know, you have a virus called Epstein Barr, um, and it, it will it will it will go. But it would flare. It would it kind of goes into it quietens down. It goes to sleep, so to speak, and then it wakes mm. up again. And I would get ill again. And I had it all the way through university and then I graduated got a job in London and I just kept getting ill and I just I couldn't lead a normal life at all because of this fatigue and I had this you know glands in my neck perpetually swollen GP was like there's nothing we're really sorry there's nothing we can do and in desperation one day I walked into a bookshop because books have always been my solace I've always found answers in books and I went up to the the wellness section and there was a book called how to beat fatigue and it was by a man called Patrick Holford, and he was the founder of the Institute mm. of Optimum Nutrition. And I read that book, and at the book, and the end of the book was a list of nutritionists, and there were really not very many. So we're talking, what year are we talking now? Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Mm. But one happened to live not too far away, and and that was the lady I found and saw. And she, yeah, she she took me through quite a rigorous. Um, protocol 
Uh, but, it's, you know, she said, you know, this is chronic fatigue syndrome. This is ME. And within four months, I was transformed. I was completely well. It was extraordinary. And the en- that energy to go from those two extremes, from feeling so depleted and so exhausted all the time to the point that I was scared to go out. I was scared to do anything because of the fatigue. So, you know, I was a young woman. I was in my early 20s. And um, the anxiety that came with that, it was all so detrimental. It wasn't just that I was a bit tired. It's difficult to explain this kind, that kind of fatigue. Mm. It's such a bone weariness that I would have done anything. Um, and to go from that fatigue to the energy I felt four months later was just extraordinary. It was just um, such a gift. I, I'm so grateful to her for, for that. It must, it must have felt almost like some kind of magical <laughs> transformation. Yes, it did. Yeah, it was extraordinary. Yeah, it was. It was. And now, because of the, you know, you were saying off air that you're sort of, you are yourself now coming into sort of this perimenopausal phase of life. And obviously the people that you're working with are often, not all, but, but many of them also kind of mm. going through this as well, that you've decided mm. to focus on this as, as a particular yeah. area. Um, for your kind of group and and for your one-to-ones as well so how yeah what are the kind of things that you have been sort of picking up on and and sort of noticing and and is there is there any kind of alignment in terms of that sort of fatigue because so many of us do kind of find that we're you know our energy levels are just on the floor at this time of life I think what I think what I was thinking about this this morning I was thinking about the fact that our health as women is so complex. Everyone's health is complex. But when we hit perimenopause, and bear in mind that can be in our late 30s or early 40s, you know, there are different phases of perimenopause. There can be so many other things that we have put up with as normal for so long, like period pain, like menstrual migraines, bloating, constipation, PMS, for example. It's not like our bodies go, oh, do you know what? Guys, it's perimenopause time. You need to leave and we need to start. It just layers on. It layers mm. on. So what happens is you can have all of those symptoms and find that then you're getting new symptoms you can't explain. Um, and it's 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 just too much. <laughs> it's too much for us as women in terms of what we're trying to manage. Too difficult to manage it, I think, sometimes in terms of that tiredness, that low energy, um, the stress, the overwhelm, the anxiety that comes with perimenopause. And it can be very specific symptoms like heart palpitations for some women or Uh, you know I have so many clients who say their anxiety is off the charts and they can't correlate it to anything they're worried about it's just takes Mm. their breath away and they especially middle of the night kind of anxiety so it's almost like when we get to our 40s and obviously into our 50s what happens is that we it's a bit of a car crash event hormonally of all the things we've put up with up until now and we haven't had the time to think about or deal with and then we start to experience perimenopause and the resulting effect of that is what you describe is that you know so tired sometimes you can't you don't feel like you can get up and get out of the door so it's my job to unpick all those symptoms and work out what's driving them what's the root causes and they may predate they often predate perimenopause and then you're we're dealing with perimenopause symptoms on top of that so it's it's my what I've learned is it's very nuanced it's very bespoke personalized um you know ideally everyone would uh, enjoy personalized care when it comes to perimenopause because it's not just hot flushes and night sweats um, and for a lot of women they don't feature at all or they don't feature till really quite late in their perimenopause it'll be the things you don't attribute to hormonal fluctuations that are bothering you most like that anxiety or the heart palpitations or for my new one my new perimenopause symptom for the last three weeks has been hives never had them before in my life 
<laughs> never had them before in my life and I've started getting hives so that's so as I go through this journey myself it's um it helps it helps to amplify my empathy for my clients because they'll come to and go I, I got tingling in my hands or my eyes are really dry or you know and it'll be like yeah that's they're, they're all symptoms of perimenopause obviously the you know the, the we know that there's this sort of huge shopping list of <laughs> of potential things that could be you know any any number of kind of combinations of of those going on for an individual Mm. so how you know is there a way that we can kind of approach this ourselves nutritionally and I kind of I come back quite often to this sense of as a layperson this overwhelm of Mm. you know there are so many things that we could should be doing in terms of trying to kind of eat well and exercise enough and uh, (laughs) where do we start even if if we're kind of you know realizing that that we're at the beginning of this uh, process to kind of start nurturing and supporting ourselves a bit better it's so difficult isn't it because our heads are so full we're so busy what I often find with clients unfortunately women often come to me when they've probably hit something of a wall Mm. so what I would love is for women to come to me going you know I feel pretty good but I think I could feel better and I want to be better prepared and I'm going to take some time and invest in myself it happens sometimes but more often than not women come to me when they can't they literally can't break point up in the yeah Yeah. they're burnt out their break point so what I always talk about with um with my clients is is permission and self-compassion um and they're not woo and I think that's it's really important to talk about this because if we come to our well-being from a place of right I need to exercise and I need to eat better and it feels like another four or five things to add to that to-do list that never ends and that compounds the overwhelm and that's it's really productive from that point because it just feels and invariably the stuff that's just for us will get pushed down the next mm. to the next day the next day the next day so it's about, I often say, I invite you to, to, to think about what you want for yourself. How do you want to feel each day? What one word would you choose to describe how you would love to feel each day? You know, how do you feel at the moment? How do you want to feel in a year or three years from now? Because sometimes we need to take that step back. Just take that. It might just be an hour, one day where you take yourself off with a, a notepad somewhere quiet and think about where you are and where you want to be, how you're feeling and how you want to feel, because that can be quite a powerful exercise Um, because it has to start with you knowing that this isn't a luxury. It's not it's not something that choosing to look after yourself better at this point in our lives is is not a luxury. I'd say it's a necessity. So a lot of women feel really they really feel um, conflicted when it comes to looking after themselves because it feels like they're taking time away from their loved ones. And obviously, there's so much for us to do in at this time in our lives we're we're raising children we're looking after aging relatives this you know we're grieving we may be separating or divorcing there's so much going on if we see our well-being as a necessity because everything funnels through us so the better we feel the more we have to give the easier all those things are to do it it's that it's a very subtle shift but I see it all the time of making that decision to do something for yourself without guilt and it can be small changes small changes consistently made are powerful so when a woman comes to see me and whether she's in perimenopause or not after the first hour with her well I'll I'll have done a really deep dive into her health history I will know how I need to help her 
But if I said to her, this is what we're going to do over the next three to six months, she'd probably run a mile because she'd feel more (laughs) overwhelmed. So it's my job to take the sting out of that and to help guide and navigate those changes in a way that feel manageable. And that's often the key. It's often the secret is just to make small changes. So it might literally be, right, what are you having for breakfast? Can we carve out, I had this conversation with a client yesterday, can we carve out 20 minutes or 30 minutes after you've taken the children to school for you to sit and have a proper meal can you do that well yeah but what I need to do I need I need I need but not doing that one small thing is having a knock-on effect through the rest of her day and the rest of her week and so we have to just drill down into the small details let's just start with that first meal of the day and in I can't tell you how many times I've had clients say it's amazing I feel so much better I'm snacking less I had more energy at lunchtime my mood was better so that's all we st- we stick to that for a little while and then we add another change in and you know even if those changes take six months better they take six months and they don't ever happen because you're so overwhelmed by the idea of making change so yeah it is there is a lot of self-compassion I think in this in this decade or around this time in midlife for us as women we have to make that decision to look after ourselves as well Hmm. And presumably, yeah, it's it's sort of an incremental thing, isn't it? Once yeah, you've kind absolutely. of layered on that new habit, then you can <laughs> you can add yeah. another and another, and just kind of go at each each person's individual pace. Absolutely, and that's the key. So when we make changes that feel manageable, they stick. You know, if we go hell for leather, and some people are that you know that that personality type where they just go right, I'm going to stop all everything that's not working, and I want to give me that big list. But most people won't sustain that beyond a week. So at that point, it's a waste of t- it's been a waste of time. So what we want to do is take play the long game because what we're trying to do is when we we're investing in lifestyle changes at this point in our life, it's to serve our well being for the rest of our life, and that's why I think midlife is such a powerful window for us to do that while while we feel while we're anticipating the changes that are coming, while we know the changes that are coming, we get to we get to do something powerful for ourselves, which I just I see all the time. Um, so I, it's one of those messages I want to sort of shout from the rooftops because I, I know it does work. Yeah, there's definitely for me over the last couple of years been been a big mindset shift, I guess, about, you know, being much more sort of forward looking and thinking about investing in that longer term health as you say mm. you know it's if you're if you have a period of time where maybe you kind of your kids are younger you're focusing on your career and all of that whatever kind of the mix looks like for each individuals maybe you're you know you're, you're not thinking about your <laughs> you know your late 50s your 60s your 70s but now you know that really does feel like okay that that that's something I need to pay attention to and and whatever whatever goodness I'm trying to add in to what I'm doing now whether that's kind of from a nutrition standpoint or a kind of other lifestyle changes mm, mm. you know as you say those things have to be sustainable because we want to be yes. doing them for the next 30 40 years if we're lucky yeah exactly yeah and um yeah I mean f- for me personally um what's been really I can't think of the right word because I don't want to say motivating isn't the right word but what brought my well-being into sharp focus over the last few years was the loss of two good friends. So I think there's a degree to which as mums, when our children are younger, particularly, you know, you are just so busy and so tired that it's a very much sort of day to day management, isn't it? Of just who needs what, when, who's who, who needs let's something. Let's get through you know, today. <laughs> exactly. Let's get through today. Um, and so somehow you think we think we're infallible. We think we that nothing can touch us because we can't imagine that 
that won't be true that isn't true mm. um and I lost two friends in in three years both mums of three and sort of grieving them and their loss was was a real shake for me it really shook me because I wasn't looking after myself properly either when my kids were really little and it it was that realization of that's why it's not a luxury for us to look after ourselves it's a it's a necessity it's vital that we do because you know our our, our family's world revolves around us we're the center of the universe often we're the center of the universe for our families so how can that possibly be selfish for me to look after myself? And that was sort of in my early 40s. So that really pushed me to, that's when I really started to focus on maternal well-being. And now in my late 40s, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm looking 50 in the eye and I feel like I was 30, 10 minutes ago. So that is that kind of, wow, okay, but my body's changing. I'm, you know, everything's changing. I'm observing it as a professional as well as... <laughs> person inhabiting this body and going okay I'm gaining weight but I haven't changed what I'm eating what the hell are these hives and why am I so anxious you know all of these things and I know um, as a professional I try and step back and go okay well this is what you're not doing and this is what you're you've let go or you're not doing this and trying to bring myself back to hold your own well-being sacred hold your own well-being sacred what do you need what are you not doing so I do that with my clients but I try very hard to do it with myself and it's not easy is it it's not easy we're not you know we do our best and that's all we can do but being aware of what we can do for ourselves I think is is the first step so I will hear women say I'm constipated or bloated all the time or I go have a poo once a week that's normal right then I and I'll say no what we want to do is get you going to the loo every day and just knowledge is power so if we understand how to support our gut health if we understand how important our liver health is if we understand how important our um our hormonal health is um, and how we can make changes to our hormonal health so that we can feel better or manage our symptoms better whether it's alongside hrt or not and um, all of those things are are valuable i think for our for our well-being long term we are all uh individuals but are there do you have like a sort of top three or top five recommendations for kind of as part of the the energized mum method mm. Mm. um you know what what are the kind of the go-tos that are going to help us find more energy Quite, let's see what can I start I mean I would start I would say I'll start with breakfast I would say mm. start with your energy first thing in the morning if you are waking up absolutely exhausted and you can't get out of bed if you need sugar and caffeine to get through the morning and out the door invariably that means that we need to look at your blood sugar balance and as we go through midlife that becomes a lot more pertinent as an issue because of insulin resistance so that's something that we we always work on so I always start with my um, in my, my group um, we start with uh, we replenish we start with food our approach to food and just a little bit of nutrition 101 how do we balance our blood sugar how do we know how to get through the day with more energy so our overall energy as women it has far more to do with what's on our plate it's not just what's on our plate but that's not a bad place to start so we start with our relationship with food and that relationship with food invariably also goes into dieting and your your relationship with food not just your approach to what you eat each day but historically what's your relationship with food 
And often I will, especially for women who want to lose weight because they've gained weight in their 40s and, and going into their 50s as well, particularly before they've hit sort of full menopause, they will talk about dieting and calorie counting and the dieting groups they've they've previously joined through their life. That's really important to address. If we want to have, to have a, a happy relationship with food, we have to let go of dieting. We have to let go of dieting. It doesn't serve us. Diets don't work. Um, so that's very much part of it. So it's some nutrition 101 to understand um, the best way to support our energy day to day. It is our relationship with food and how to have a happier, healthier relationship with food. And then the big one is stress management because stress trickles down through everybody's system and impacts everything we do. So obviously we have these hormonal fluctuations in perimenopause. Our body will always prioritize stress, our stress hormones, because from a, you know, going, you know, our ancestors tens of thousands of years ago, you know, those shots of adrenaline were to escape danger. But if you're having that burst of adrenaline sitting in the car because someone has cut you up or because you've had an email from a colleague and it's enraged you, the body doesn't differentiate between a short burst or, a, you know, to save your life or something that's just coursing through your, your body for hours on end. And that your body will always prioritize those stress hormones over everything else, over digestion, for example, over hormonal balance, for example. So stress management is absolutely central to what I do with my clients. And that might be from the point of view of managing your blood sugar, because if your blood sugar gets very low from a really basic point of view, you're going to feel more anxious. You're going to feel more likely mm. to feel overwhelmed. But also from what else? What's the impact of that stress? What's the impact of that stress to date so um you know it could be that you are burnt out or on the verge of burnout so what what do you need to support your health in order to recover from that burnout um, and what do you have in place each day or each week that allows you to manage your stress and this this is a game changer it's not something that we get to do as a luxury a face pack or a bath once a week we have to find ways to manage our stress. And that is, I know that's not easy, but that's something that's really worth exploring. And that's central to what I do with my clients. So let's just, just go back to what you were saying, actually, that the the that dip, blood sugar dip, is that, yeah. that's actually kind of, that's a stressor on our body. Yes, it is. exactly that. It is a stressor on the body. So it exacerbates those feelings of of that can be whether it's anger or or anxiety or or overwhelm um if our blood sugar is low um then we're going to feel those emotions mm. more acutely um so yeah just from a day-to-day energy management and um, point of view as a nutritional therapist i'm thinking about what are you eating and I would say 99% of the women who come to see me are under-proteined. <laughs> they don't eat enough protein. You know, and that's really important in midlife that we have enough protein. So, you know, that's one of the first things I'm going to look at. And someone will say, well, my diet's really healthy. You know, I have a bowl of muesli and a glass of orange juice for breakfast. And I have a, a you know, a salad and, and a piece of fruit for lunch. And Where's the protein? <laughs> where's the protein? And where's the protein? So... And we know, you know, when it comes to our adrenal health, protein is super important. So if someone comes to me and they're burnt out, I'm, I need to make sure they're getting plenty of protein each day. So yeah, that's a simple, something as simple as that can make a real difference to how we feel each day. 
so smoothing out those kind of those, those kind of highs d- and yeah lows. we don't want that ro- we don't want a roller coaster we want a mm. gentle amble through the day rather than those peaks and troughs of energy and we know them when we feel it you know when you feel a little bit shaky or um you just feel almost sick that's your body sending up a flare saying excuse me undernourished need more need more of the good stuff and in, what people tend to do is reach at that point because the brain is screaming for energy they're going to reach mm-hmm. for sugar and caffeine because they need to get through the next hour or two hours but you're just then getting into a cycle of those dramatic peaks and troughs so drops and shooting up and dropping down uh, sort of energy i'm sorry in my head i've got like a, a graph that's doing <laughs> yeah. big ups and downs which isn't very useful um in a, on a podcast but yes so that's um a key one for if you're if you experience those dips in the day it is going back to what are you eating how much protein are you having how are you starting your day yeah because we know that the kind of the estrogen is also doing the kind of the roller coaster thing so i guess if you know if we're if we can smooth out the the blood sugar we're also helping to sort of mitigate exactly it's and it, it is exactly it is mitigating. It's not, you know, so as our hormones fluctuate, you know, making sure you have a good breakfast isn't going to make a dent in your fluctuating estrogen. But it's all about different ways that we implement, slowly but surely, implement into our, our, our routine that helps to support our overall well-being. So that when we're having a, you know, a bad day, we can do the best we can um, for for our energy and for how we get through the day yeah and you talked a little bit as well about the the impact of stress on on our digestion indigestion bloating yeah Yeah. again things that people wouldn't necessarily correlate with um kind of that perimenopause transition but actually i think a lot of people do kind of have those digestive issues so again other than trying to kind of manage the the sort of the stress levels are there other things that that kind of you typically you kind of suggest to help with the digestion and the bloating digestion starts in the brain um, which may seem like a weird thing to say but I always talk about the digestive dominoes so the first when we think about food or when we smell something or if we're cooking that starts our brain to prepare our prepare us for the food is incoming um, and then obviously we it's how quickly we eat so chewing our food is incredibly important you know how how many times do you chew your food how quickly do you eat are you eating in front of the tv are you distracted when you eat so actually supporting someone's digestion isn't just about what's happening in their gut it's about how mindfully they're eating it's do they sit at the table are they sitting with a tray on on their lap in front of the tv are they stressed when they eat you know all of these things will play into how well you digest your food and how well you digest your food it has a lot to do with how much you how well you assimilate what's in the food how you break it down and then assimilate the nutrients that were in that meal um so if someone comes to me with indigestion for example i'm going to ask them those questions what's their eating environment do they cook do they like cooking are they putting something in the microwave um so that there's no sort of the body isn't prepared almost for for the food that's coming so you know you think about our digestive enzymes being stimulated that's often because we're anticipating food so all of those things are part of how we improve our digestion and in terms of things like constipation or or bloating again that can be about going up the digestion the digestive dominoes it can be about how you're preparing your food if you're preparing food how quickly you're eating all those things or it might be about do you need more digestive support and so I often say if you find that you 
get indigestion, you might encourage your body's digestive enzymes by having some bitter foods before you have your meal. So that might be rocket or watercress or some, I know it sounds like an odd idea, but I've had this in Italy a couple of times, sort of grapefruit in a, a salad. And those um, foods, are ridic- I never know if it's radicchio or radicchio, that beautiful <laughs> red mm. vegetable you know, that makes a beautiful salad. You can just dip that in some balsamic vinegar with olive oil and that just, you know, graze on that as a starter before your meal. That helps to stimulate your body's digestive enzymes. That helps you to digest. So, you know, that, that might be one small addition you make. So we're not changing, we're just adding in something. So that, you know, start of before your main meal in the evening might help your digestion. And then it's just in terms of constipation, that's often, that's often a bit more personalised, depends on what's, what's, if that's something that's recent for you, or if it's historical, that often I'll find that constipation is something that people have put up with for decades. And they just go to the loo three times a week, and they think that's normal, and that's fine. And invariably, it's something that can be resolved pretty quickly and so one thing I'll often do is suggest you include some foods that are really uh, supportive of getting uh, the bowel movement moving so that can be stewed apples are great so when we cook apples we help break down the the, make the pectin more um, supportive of, of getting the bowels moving kiwis are great a couple of kiwis a day can be really helpful for getting the bowels moving dried figs flaxseed ground flaxseed if you have if you're so inclined you can soak uh, flaxseed not ground but flaxseed or linseed in water and then just drink it's quite mucilaginous which is the mm. point but it's not some people find that quite difficult to to swallow literally but that can be really helpful so I always say food first what can we add in from a dietary perspective that might just help get things moving um, and making sure you're, you're well hydrated is is um, not a bad idea as well so are you drinking you know a litre mm. a litre and a half of water a day so that's always the one that I struggle with even though I've got my uh, my little chilled water thing here but yeah quite obvious always say to people I'll, I'll very often get to the end of the day and wonder why and then I'm like oh, and then oh, I yeah. and then I'm sitting in the evening <laughs> drinking water that I need the loo in the night so it's better to, it's better to do it through the day rather than you know trying to catch up at the end of the day yeah I just need somebody to come and tap me on the shoulder five times a day and find <laughs> <of> water <laughs> anyone wants that job let me know (laughs) oh Thalia thank you so much that was great um and I'll put all the various places that people can find you into uh the show notes for this episode yeah just quickly remind us what your um Instagram handle is I am Thalia Pellegrini underscore nutrition on Instagram um, I do have a free recipe collection uh, for breakfast. So breakfast that are ready Ooh. in five minutes. So I can give you the link if you yeah, want, you have to put that in the show notes so people can, people can yeah. access that. Yeah, I'm, I kind of alternate between scrambled eggs and um, sort of protein yogurt with protein, granola and fruit. So, yeah. I'm happy to diversify, so I'll definitely be reading that. <laughs> You'll be very welcome. Thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely chatting to you. It's gone Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.